I'm reading it the way that I've written it a couple of times and it's like, it's still confusing me and I'm the one that wrote it. So if I can find some way to make that simpler and easier for my clients to understand, because they're the ones that are going to have to follow these rules, then great. So it's a wonderful use for that. I can take my idea or the paragraph I've already written, put it into ChatGPT, and like, help me clarify this, help me make this easier to understand. Well, hello and welcome to the Jay Sterling Hughes Show, where we share the secrets and the strategies of how we are building a rapidly growing family law firm. You know, the past nine years, we have grown from zero attorneys to 25, doing over 15 million in revenue. And my purpose here is to document what's working and what's not working in our firm with hopes that you can take that and you can recontextualize that for your firm and shorten your success curve. And I have with me today, one of our senior partners, a dear friend, and just an all around great guy, great lawyer, who is one of our leading, probably our leading technologists. Wouldn't you say, Jeff? I have Jeff Morell with me here. Jeff, from the moment that ChatGPT became a thing, like about 14 months ago, he has been on the leading edge in our firm. So every three to four weeks or so, he prepares a full firm talk on AI and what's happening in AI, how it's impacting him, how it's impacting our practice, and how it is impacting or can impact how we serve our clients. And I know Jeff is a student of AI. I know he's traveled around the world to learn about AI and to really understand the power of that. So I asked Jeff if he would be a guest on our podcast today, just to share with all of you what he's seeing, what he's learning, and maybe just his top couple thoughts and ideas and tools around AI and how it can help lawyers improve their practice. So Jeff, uh, how was that for an intro? That's great. <laughs> Happy to be here. Uh, well, happy to talk about AI as always with somebody yeah. to hear about it. <laughs> I know you are. And I know I always go to you for all the resource questions that I have. And you've built some tools for me that have been real helpful. So I'm not sure where it's best to jump in, but from a standpoint of how you see AI impacting you right now, just start in the present, like how has it impacted you? And then what are your thoughts on going forward? How are you preparing and implementing? It's a like big picture. Um, what it's been doing for me is like, it's been making me so much happier because I get to focus less on things that I don't want to do and more on things that I do want to do. I'm an incredibly lazy person. So if there's a way that I could find to do something easier or faster, like I'm going to do that. And AI is like full of those opportunities. And I get super excited whenever that's happening. I, I would debate you on the lazy part because I've seen you put in some really strong effort consistently over long periods of time. But I know I hear you saying that you're looking for ways that you can get more done with less effort. And I know you've done that in your practice and you've shown me a few of the things you've built that have just been really bewildering to get my head around how you're doing that. Not everyone listening is adept in technology as you are. So if you can maybe talk to those that are maybe afraid of the technology a little bit or at least a little apprehensive about not having the confidence to implement things themselves. What are you seeing that's working right now in your practice that other people can implement and take that? Well, the, I mean, the most base level of AI use at a retail level is text generation, right? So like writing things and lawyers obviously spend a lot of time writing things. And so whether that's emails or position statements or anything like that, I'm almost always starting with ChatGTP or Claude to generate those documents. And then I'm refining and changing it from there. And that might involve substantial modification, but the mental energy that's required to modify something is a lot lower than the mental energy to create something. And so a lot of times it's not actually saving me much time, but it's saving me a lot of energy. That's a fascinating concept. So are you, 
I mean, a lot of us have forms now, so I'm a little confused on like, wouldn't you just use a form that you had? Like if you're going to write in a marital settlement agreement, you would start with a form, but how are you doing that differently today with AI? The only times I'm using AI to help me in like a marital settlement agreement context is I know the thing that I want a paragraph to do, but I feel like I'm, I'm reading it the way that I've written it a couple of times. And it's like, it's still confusing me and I'm the one that wrote it. So if I can find some way to make that simpler and easier for my clients to understand, because they're the ones that are going to have to follow these rules, then great. So it's a wonderful use for that. I can take my idea or the paragraph I've already written, put it into chat GPT and like, help me clarify this, help me make this easier to understand. So that's one way. But in terms of writing like letters or emails, affidavits, things like that, that aren't standardized, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're specific to each individual cases context. So you'll have chat GPT write the first draft and you'll modify it from there. Right. Do you also use that tool in your client communications? I do. I do. It helps me write my emails to my clients, which I love because it gets me to a place where I can answer them more quickly, right? And our clients want answers as quickly as possible. The broader concept I think is reducing friction to accomplishing tasks or sometimes just starting tasks, right? If I've got a super long email from a client or an email that I know is going to take a while to respond to, I might put that one off longer. Mm -hmm. That's not really fair to the client, right? They didn't ask for that. And in fact, they paid for the opposite, right? They paid for access to me for advice. And so if I can bring them that advice, make it mentally easier for me to engage in the steps to get them that advice, fantastic. Yeah. Practically speaking, I want to put this in a practical step-by-step. -step. So you have a unique paragraph that you need to draft for your marital settlement agreement, or you get a two-page letter from a client with 13 questions and a lot of explanation. What would you do in both of those scenarios, practically speaking? Like walk us through a copy and paste sort of a step-by-step -step to create something with using AI that's gonna save you that energy and that time. Sure, so if I, let's say the first example, let's say I want a provision in a marital settlement agreement relating to like the sale of a home, right? So let's say the wife is gonna keep the home because they've got a 16 year old and both of them want to keep the kid in the marital home and until the kid's out of high school and the wife can't actually afford to refinance it or keep it herself. But I also want to give her an option if she can't afford it in two years to be able to buy it. How do I make that really easy to understand so that she can effectively assess her options? So I might just write out what I just said. Mm -hmm. This is what I want the paragraph to do. And then input that into ChatGTP and say, help, help me write that. I might take a stab at writing it myself. I'll copy and paste that into ChatGPT, and, and I'll write, I wrote this, it's confusing. I think it could be a lot better. Can you help me make it easier to understand? You know, like layman's terms and say, can you make this more appropriate for a legal document? That's the laziness there, but that's still gonna require being punched up quite a bit. So that's probably less common use case. Yeah, and so that's called a, a prompt, right? What would your prompt actually say? Would you give it a persona? Tell us what a persona is. Sure, persona is giving your, let's just, is all right if I just use ChatGDP as our? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cause there's obviously a lot of them out there. So is giving ChatGTP a, a sense of an identity of who they are. You can, you can instruct it to be and do different things within its own rules, right? You can't make it spew out like bigoted things, for example, but you can say, you know, you're a successful entrepreneur or you're a divorce lawyer. A lot of the prompts that I use for generating those documents say you're a divorce lawyer practicing in the state of Wisconsin, right? I'll start with that. And so I've given it the persona and it's going to write as if it is a divorce lawyer in the state of Wisconsin. Okay. And you would say, do this for me and you would describe what it is and it would give you back text and that's what you right. would take and copy right. it out. 
okay, and put it in your doc and edit it. You do the final edits from there. Depending on the type of task, right? If it, if it is something repetitive, I will spend a lot of time refining and writing a prompt that might be a couple hundred words. And then I will reuse that one. And a lot of times it can be just one or two word choices that you make in your prompt can have a dramatic impact on the output. So I focus in on getting that in as good of a place as I can. But obviously, if I'm just using this as like a one-off, like writing that marital settlement agreement proposal for the sale of the home, I can't spend a lot of time on the prompt. I might as well have just written it myself. And it needs so it needs to be, if it's reusable, then I'm spending way more time on the prompt. Really, like not just saying you're a divorce lawyer, but like you're a charismatic divorce lawyer and you're a successful one at that. And you, you know, you've been doing it for 20 years really giving it a better sense of identity. And what's kind of interesting about that is, let's say that you were trying to develop like a marketing strategy, right? You wouldn't say you're a marketing strategist with 50 years of experience. You don't necessarily want that. That's not necessarily a desirable thing. You might want somebody with like 10 years experience, someone who's younger and maybe has really fresh and willing to try new things. Um, versus a, someone with 50 years experience, probably 70 years old, right? They're probably going to stick to their playbook. So yeah. learning that stuff's been fascinating, but calibrating it is the hard part. Wow. So Chad, GPT will give you a different response if you say you're 50 years in or 30 years in or 10 years in. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. So in a given week, how often are you going to chat GPT and using it in this way or Claude or whatever other tool you're testing? A couple dozen times a day, minimum. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is a heavy use tool for you. Yeah. And likewise, when you have a client that is, you know, clients that compile all of our questions and kind of be efficient with their time, send you a really long email describing maybe the events of the weekend and the list of questions. How do you handle those unique communications from clients? Same way. It's one of my favorite uses because when I open those emails and it's a wall of text and I get those. Sometimes they're 2,000, 3,000 words. I am immediately clicking out of that email because it's giving me stress and anxiety just looking at it. And that's not fair to the client because no they may answer, yeah. <laughs> There might be something going on that's like One paragraph, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to read it. But in the immediate, let's say I don't have time to read it or I don't have the mental bandwidth to do it. I can use that in an AI context and say, summarize what this person's asking me about and then list out anything that they want me to help them with or give them information about or questions that they have for me. And you'll get a really quick output for that. It doesn't replace the task of actually reading it because you have to do that, right? If you're a lawyer, but it does let me know, is this something urgent and incredibly important for me to answer right now? Or can I throw this on the back burner until later today? So what other use cases are you finding that you're going to on a, a pretty regular basis using one of these tools? On a regular basis, one of the things that I'm using it for quite frequently is like triaging my inbox, for example, or making certain decisions for me. So I don't have to like just reducing the number of decisions that I have to make in a day. So I have like a rapid order or like a rapid order spreadsheet of email addresses and topics that I want to be notified about like right away. If I get an email from you, for example, I get a ping on Salesforce or on Slack telling me, Jeff Hughes sent you an email about this. Oh, I'm uh, special. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm waiting to hear back from somebody. Uh -huh. Like, we're going to a step final tomorrow. We're getting the final negotiations in. I don't want to sit there and monitor my inbox to see if I get something. You know what I mean? So I can just put that person's email or the keyword or whatever it is. So if I get an email that matches that, bam, I get a Slack message. That kind of thing of the triaging of work has been like magic for me. Wow. And just 
for those that are aware, you're using tools like Zapier to connect your email to like Slack, for example, which is our communication right. tool on our firm. Got it. Okay. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but from a practical standpoint, are you primarily monitoring Slack? Is there any active monitoring that you are doing from hour by hour basis? Slack is a good proxy for like, um, let's say I had infinite development dollars or talent. I would make an app, right, that does this and it pings me notifications on my computer and on my phone in all the ways that I might want it. And, but I don't have that. So Slack is a good proxy for that because I'm in Slack all the time answering questions for my team because they're all over the place, right? They might be in Green Bay and Sheboygan. And so I'll get messages from them all the time. And I have to be, I'm very responsive to my team. So that's how I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna see that. Plus it'll show up on my phone and ping me on my computer if I if I get something. So that's why I would choose Slack for that kind of, that kind of interface. That makes sense? Okay. Yeah. What else are you using these tools for on a pretty consistent basis? One thing, well, it's not consistent yet, but I'm working on, and this is, I don't want to get too into the weeds and the technical stuff, but one task, and this goes to my laziness, Jeff, one task that I really don't like is like reviewing discovery, make sure we got everything or that make sure my client has provided everything. And I'm going to review all the discovery, but I don't want to sit there and comb and make sure every single date, like every single month statement of that credit card is there. Right. And so an interface where you can actually submit even, you know, even if you have 1500 pages of discovery and say, this is the request, this is the discovery, is everything here? Wow. Like that kind of task that would could take you hours of lawyer and admin time can get boiled down to a couple of minutes at most. So you'd have to upload all of that information and have it read it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit, I mean, if you have 1500 pages, you can't very well give that to ChatGTP. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not going to be able to handle that. So there's a couple more steps involved in extracting all the text. But once you have that figured out, it's really easy. Yeah. I know that you're just a voracious reader and follower of AI developments. And I know you're really keen on how this can be applied to our firm, in particular, your practice. What are some of the biggest ideas you're seeing? Where do you see this going? It seems like that we're in a little bit of a lull right now with AI. There's not as much buzz around it as there was a few months ago. But I feel like that's the calm before the storm, personally. Where are you at on that? all that but I, that I just asked? I think you're totally right. I think things are slowing down and I think they're going to slow down a little bit more yet. For one, and I can't remember where I read this, but it was something something like the entirety of all of human written content has been consumed by these models already. So we don't have like new stuff to help train them for new things. We can reuse a lot of it and then you can use AI generated content too, but that's going to slow down development. And these things are getting bigger and more complicated. So I think we're moving towards small models that are being made, like one that you can run on your phone, for example. Write that down. What does that mean when you say a small model? So ChatGTB is like a massive model, right? It has billions and billions of parameters and trained on immense amounts of information and text. And now it's multimodal, so it can do pictures and it can do audio and um, those are separate functions. But like Google's Gemini is multimodal. Those are big models that can do lots of things really well. So small models, it's like a concept of a less complicated model. It's more reliable, but it does like one thing well, one thing really well. And it doesn't require a lot of compute. So it's not expensive to run. You can run it locally, like on your computer or on your phone to accomplish individual tasks instead of one thing that can kind of do everything. I think the slowdown really started when agents ended up not being what everyone hoped they would be. So agents are things like you could give an AI a task 
and it would go pursue that task and it would keep doing it until it accomplished it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what everyone's kind of waiting for. Once somebody actually develops that, that'll be a big game changer above and beyond the order of Chad GDP. So from a legal perspective, what should lawyers be paying attention to, anticipating, prepping for? What do you see there? Well, family lawyers, I think, be prepared for pro se litigants and your clients to be using it and using it in bad ways and good ways. I've seen plenty of pleadings that I know 99% certainty was generated by AI. Same way a teacher can tell sometimes, like, you're not smart enough to have written that. Or it's got like some signatures of Chad GDP, like, I hope this letter finds you well. It's like, okay, yeah. no human actually writes that. Um, my, boy, my boy got busted at school the other day for that. <laughs> I have seen several pro se litigants who are clearly using it consistently and to pretty good effect. Like they're representing themselves way better than they could have without it. Mm-hmm. They were just searching the internet because the internet is like useless for actually giving you guidance for your family law situation because it's so context specific and there's not that much just good information out there. But pros and litigants are going to get better. I imagine they'll do more of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. There's going to be fewer people who actually need the assistance of a lawyer because they'll be confident to do it by themselves, especially for less complicated cases or less emotionally charged cases. Lawyers should definitely look out for their own use of it for some of the obvious stuff, confidentiality. So, I mean, I could, we could do a whole episode on confidentiality and not violating it, which is actually relatively hard to do. <laughs> hard to not violate it or hard? It's hard to, to not like explicitly violate the rules. If you're using the consumer facing chat GTP, if you're putting personal confidential client information in there, I think it's hard to argue. I think you're almost certainly technically violating confidentiality. But you're avoiding putting client names and so forth in there. If I'm using the main, like the consumer facing chat GTP interface, yeah. Okay. So is there a, is there a workaround for not using the consumer facing interface? Yes. You can use the open, it's called the open AI playground. Okay. And then there's ways that you can connect that like I do with Zapier, or you can just use it right there in the playground and things that are run through the playground of the API, which is how computers talk to each other. They don't retain any of that for training. There's also an opt out function. So if you're a lawyer and you're listening to this and you use chat GTP, go into your settings and it's a little bit of a hidden menu. You go to click on your name, settings and beta, data controls, and then you have to unselect chat history and training. That will help a great deal. I'm not saying that's 100% you're in the clear on confidentiality, but that's a good first step. But yeah, if I'm going to submit it through the consumer facing side, I'll remove the personal information that identifies the mind. Mm-hmm. So outside of the main like uh, big models that are out there, are there any tools that you have found that have been really, really slick that you've used that helped you? Yes. I did want to, I want to finish up the thing with uh, that lawyers should keep an eye out for is, and most people have heard of this, but like inaccuracy, you're going to get bad answers from it. It will cite statues that do not exist all the time. So like, I would never use it for that kind of text generation, you know, like pursuant to Wisconsin statute seven sixty seven forty one. Like you're playing with fire there. They call that hallucinating, right? Yeah. So yeah. why do those tools do that? Because its job is to predict the next word in a sequence, right? It's not that that's the whole, the base level programming. It doesn't have a real conception of truth. And so it will never say, I don't know. Program to always give you an answer. Okay. Unless you're asking for something objectionable. And so it's if you ask it to give you an answer, it will give you one, whether it exists or not. 
Because how would you also curtail it to say, like, let's say you said only give the answer if you absolutely know the answer and it, you know that it's true. Ignore the fact that they don't, it doesn't have a concept of truth. What if you want to make artistic or creative expression? You want to have it write a bedtime story for your kids. Now it can't do that, right? So anything that would be fantasy or nonfiction, it just couldn't do it. It's got a guess. It won't fail. Fiction, not nonfiction. Okay, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, Amazon Textract is a really good one, especially if anyone works with like voluminous documents and you need to break them down in a, into different, like you need them in text format instead of PDF or images. You need to process transactions or receipts, things like that. You can process tens of hundreds of thousands of pages relatively easily and have the outputs driven the way that you want, primarily so you can use that that content for something else. Because I could just read the PDF, obviously, right? Right. But if I want to analyze two years of spending on five different credit cards, that's pretty, my brain can't do that kind of pattern matching. Yeah. Um, and ChatGTP can't handle that voluminous of PDFs in any kind of reliable way. So I have to get it into other formats in order for it to be useful. So Textrack's been great. So that would take a PDF and turn it into like a CSV file or something? Yeah, it's an optical character recognition software primarily. So it's picking out letters and numbers and you can have it do it. I think I tables and key value pairs, which is really cool, especially for like transactions on credit card statements, for example. Well, great, Jeff. This has been real informative. Thank you for taking the time out of your practice and, and sharing this with us today. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too.